Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. We had another fun weekend of baseball. We're coming into the final month of the season just about uh, in the next couple of days. So there's going to be a lot to watch out for uh, in the month, but we will have you covered over here on ARR. Yeah, it's really snuck up on us. Like the last month, we're really gearing up for it. Only uh, teams are only playing about 30 to 32 games left in the season. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really snuck up on us. There's still some races to be, to be determined, um, which is exciting. And what we'll get into is like a lot, most awards are very up in the air right right now. So uh, we'll be getting into those and talking about, you know, who, who we think will win what, because, you know, NL MVP, uh, AL and NL Cy Young, the rookies of the year, you know, pretty up in the air uh, at the moment, especially I like think, a- I don't think anything is a lock. Like usually there's a couple of awards that are locks, even coming into September. I wouldn't say that for any of these awards. Yeah, I mean, only except only for like maybe AL MVP. AL MVP is like but the only then, one. Like, I still think like enough could happen in the next month where Vlad could maybe take over and win it. But that's probably the, the biggest long shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. But yeah, uh, you know, this wasn't, you know, this this was a relatively uneventful past weekend of baseball. But luckily, we have a team in Queens that is able to give us some headlines, give us some uh, give us some radio fodder, if you will. You know, just uh, a great, great topic at hand. that They're willing to give us. Uh, so, you know, for those who were not on the Internet uh, yesterday on Sunday. Uh, a quote sprung up from Javier Baez, who's been on the Mets for pretty much exactly a month. And he, and, uh, you know, hurt for most of it too. Yeah. Hurt for most of it. And, uh, he, in the, in, in the middle of the game on, uh, Sunday against the nationals, he, uh, after scoring, he gave a thumbs down. And, you know, when asked about the thumbs down, two thumbs down, he said that I should actually pull up the exact uh, quote here. For the here. record, like this didn't start yesterday. Like the, the, the SNY Twitter account tweeted on August 6th, like there seems to be a new dugout celebration, the thumbs down. Like nobody cared about it until yesterday and it's been going on for weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't until the quote uh, came up, but uh, let's take a look at, uh, I remember seeing it first on SportsCenter, so yeah, uh, 
Javi Baez on the thumbs down sign. Mets, Mets players have been flashing to the crowd after their hits. Uh, when we don't get success, we're going to get booed. So they, the fans, are going to get booed when we get success. I mean, very, very interesting turnaround there. I mean, what, like, what are, what are we even thinking here? I think it's very weird that the, well, first of all, I mean, I guess, I guess most of my takeaways come with the Mets, uh, their statement after it, which I, we haven't gotten into yet. But I mean, like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, it's like, listen, the Mets have struggled recently. They're eight and 19 in the month of August. Like, things are not coming up for the Mets, but the players are still trying to find a way to, like, have fun with it and, like, do something that, they enjoy that's picking themselves up and that's that's the thing that's a problem right now i guess yeah i mean people are obviously going to make a a huge deal out of it and i mean there's part of me that that uh totally gets kind of the uh action of it but i mean if i were a if i were a mets fan i wouldn't be too offended but it's weird coming from it you know, it's weird to it's weird to react that way after after uh, performing after performing badly and they're still not in a good position. It's not like they've turned it around in the standings at all. And like it's not like they've made a, a like a five game jump in the standings and are like back in the race now. Yeah. It's you know, they're they're winning one game and they're and they've been doing the celebration. There's still, I think, five games under fair, 500 they did, they did win the series against the nationals yeah like but still like i don't know they got to pick themselves out of this hole somehow and they got to stick together like this something's got to happen whether it be the thumbs down whether it be i don't care what it is like they got to find a way to to pick themselves up as a team and get themselves out of this hole that they've dug themselves in over the last month and like this is their way of doing it like i don't think they should be shamed for trying something like what if they were just you know, what if they were boring right now? Like, what if they just didn't seem to care about winning games and, and any of that? Like, I think that would be worse, honestly. Right. Um, I think it's just, I think the weirdest part of all this is that Javier Baez, like, said this uh, to the media. He Like, this is something you probably would think he would... Uh, Keep to himself. Would, yeah, brush over. But, um, but yeah kind of odd that odd that he like released the information to the media on why they were yeah. doing it yeah um yeah the i mean story comes from the met statement right yeah and then um and then yeah uh back to back to yeah the statement i think uh based the the crux of it was from uh sandy alderson who is the what general manager there or um yes he he's like big front office guy uh with the Mets and he said that you know Mets fans are loyal passionate we're having a players only meeting we're we're having a a team meeting on this unacceptable and you, you you have to understand it from his perspective because Javier Baez his uh he's only under contract through 2021 the Mets fan base contract is not up after 2021. So he has to kind of pick that side. But like, do you have to pick a side? Like, do you really have to release a statement here? Um, 
like, I does feel like really care if they do nothing here and it just it's like, oh, okay, like Javier Baez is, you know, they're they want more support from the fans, and this is their way of expressing that. Like, I don't know, do you really need to say anything there? Yeah, I'm thinking of a scenario where like what he doesn't like, say like, anything. What's the, what does this story look like if they say nothing? Is it even a story? Because the story came out after the statement came out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think it kind of added more fuel to the fire, made it yeah, look like, worse. I think, I don't know, like, I don't really think they had to make any statement at all, and I don't think this would have gotten the attention that it got. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting, for sure. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think if if the statement is not made, I think it brushes over a little a little bit easier. I mean, here's um, where here's where the problems come in because the New York Mets don't exactly have a good reputation uh, of their front office over the last five or so years. They hired Jared Porter as their GM who harassed a woman. They hired Mickey Calloway as their manager who harassed multiple women. They heavily pursued Trevor Bauer in free agency this offseason who had a reputation before the, the recent allegations came out against him. They gave Jose Reyes a standing ovation after he was convicted of domestic abuse. And they find the big problem when their their team uh, is giving a thumbs down to the fans. That's where the big problems lie, Chris. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't it, know, it, it seems like the front office has taken more action against that than they did against any of the, the other things. Right. Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, from a business perspective, I mean, that's kind of how how you have to go about things, because, you know, the the players, you know, if we're being honest, the players from a franchise perspective are somewhat temporary. The fans are are always going to be there. So they're always going to like if there's a player fan controversy, controversy, especially like this, where it's kind of easier to um, point at the players as being bad influences then then yeah i understand that um i understand that the front office is going to take the fan side i understand it too but i still don't think they should have taken any side like i said yeah it would have been yeah it would have been a, a lot easier to be neutral in this in this situation yeah like because now i mean like I don't know. I mean, like, the players are the ones that are going to make the results on the field. Like, what is that going to look like going forward now? Because now the players understand that the front office doesn't really have their backs when they're trying to rally themselves together in a time of need. So, I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, it, I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, it, like, it, was this their only way of, was this their only way of, uh, just of like forming together i don't know it it it's kind of uh yeah it's kind of interesting it's a bad it, it i feel like it's just everyone kind of looks bad in this scenario yeah everyone does um did you see if cohen of course had a tweet where he was like i missed the days where the biggest controversy was the black jerseys and the reality is he's basically the one who created the controversy. Like, yeah, I think he's more to blame in here than Javier Baez is. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. it's weird. Yeah. 
I don't know what he's doing. Like, you don't have to tweet every thought you have, especially as the owner of uh, one of the biggest baseball franchises in the in the world. Um, I think, you know, my, my main takeaway here is, like, this baseball season, there's been a lot of interesting things, a lot of storylines, a lot of surprises, a lot of disappointments, but probably the biggest upset of the 2021 Major League Baseball season is the New York Mets remaining the New York Mets. Yep. Like Especially after me, being division leaders for so long. Yeah. Like if you told me in 2019 that this, like this whole thing would happen, my first response would be, ah, oh, classic Will Ponds. <laughs> and that's not the case. Yeah. Not the case. Not the case at all. Um, yeah. Tough. Tough scenario out of Queens. Again, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've said this a few times and we're a, we're a pretty young show. But yeah, they just uh, keep on, keep on keeping on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a- any more thoughts on this uh, on this situation? No, I mean that was kind of my main takeaway, I guess. Um, do we wa- do we want to talk about the uh, the growing trend of uh, Salvador Perez love? Let's, or let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so yes, um, so Salvador Perez. This is more of a so you know on above replacement radio we we talk about the you know news that's occur that's going on but I think sometimes it's important for us to talk about the uh, old school versus new school like battle that goes on on the internet like the 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 battle of you know basic statistics versus you know advanced statistics and where we stand on like the quote-unquote issues of uh of the baseball world in terms of that so salvador perez has been growing in popularity over the past week i think he's had five home runs in five games um or a home run in five consecutive games he's been having a great week and man people are really jumping on the bandwagon and completely overreacting to his current season uh i mean the the two most notable guys for me were i think john morosi and ryan brian spader who i thought i expected better from spader i I just want to say none of this is any fault of salvador perez like he's just out there playing his game and everyone else is just i feel so bad because the reality is he he did nothing to deserve this himself yeah, pretty. Yeah, exactly. Like he's still, he's playing like the way he's playing is fine. It's just he's getting too much credit for because he hits too many home runs. I don't want to say too many home runs, but because of the amount of home runs he hits, he gets a little too much credit. Yeah, it's it's nothing that Salvador Perez did. I would compare it to like any time a player gets overrated, I would uh I would compare it to like if uh, someone were to take out the trash and then get a Nobel peace prize for it, they would get, yeah. they would it's get like, like, yeah, like, it's like a reaction taking out the trash. Like that's not a bad thing, but I mean, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. The reaction would be like, why is this person getting a Nobel peace prize? And this person did nothing to deserve any criticism. It's just the, the system at work. Yeah. That's, that's what I would compare it to. So uh, the, the Spader tweet, said this isn't talked about for some reason but salvador perez is basically mike piazza on offense and yadi molina on defense 
Yeah. And my, one of my favorite things was Foolish Baseball replied and said, well, you're right. That isn't talked about. <laughs> I did not see that. Like, I don't like I sort of understand where he's going with Mike Piazza on offense. I don't agree with it, but I understand what he was looking at. What could he possibly have looked at that made him say that he was Yadier Molina on defense? Like we just talked about on last show, how Yadier Molina like has is a great defensive catcher, probably one of the best of all time. Like we talked about the stolen bases stuff, like the, that graphic of how nobody steals on him. What are you looking at with Salvador Perez where you think, you know what? This guy's basically Yadier Molina on defense. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that might be a little comparable is the caught stealing percentage, which is a large port up uh, a large portion of Yeah, like his defense. like he was the king of I don't know why baseball savant all of a sudden stopped uh tracking like pop time for catchers they just didn't they just didn't do it after 2019 but salvador Perez was the king of that uh, other than that he was just straight up not good defensively at all yeah but even yeah and even with uh caught stealing percentage like career wise yadier molina was five percent higher than yep. than perez it was 40 to 35 and then yeah, like one thing one thing that's making me go to fan graphs for for catcher like catcher f4 or catcher wins above replacement is the framing factor mm-hmm. which salvador perez stinks at yadier molina is obviously one of the greatest at framing uh i have a stat for you chris here so on baseball savant uh you can look at the catcher framing leaderboard for all of the time they tracked it at once instead of just year by year and there are 192 catchers that have called at least 100 pitches since 2015 uh, James McCann has the least amount of of uh, runs extra strikes, which is what the stat that they call it. It's essentially the the amount of runs that you prevent, or the the amount of runs that you allow to score, whatever with with uh, framing. And it's an accumulated stat that you that the higher the number is, the better. James McCann is the second worst with negative forty five. Then there's Salvador Perez with negative seventy one. So yeah. Uh, I mean, it's obviously an accumulation thing, and Salvador Perez has played a lot of games since 2015, so it makes sense that he would be, you know, on the more extreme side, whether it be good or bad. But I mean, negative 71 since 2015. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Fangraphs and Baseball Prospectus has framing factor. Baseball Reference does not, and you can tell in the difference in their wins above replacement. replacement. Yep. Uh, Fangraphs, uh, Perez's Fangraphs wins above replacement is 14 or, uh, career-wise is it's somewhere in the 14s. Same with on uh, baseball prospectus baseball references wins above replacement is in the 28, uh, range. So, um, you know, it's obvious which one has, which ones have framing, which ones don't. Um, and yeah, like Perez's. Framing is a huge part of uh is a huge part of catcher defense and it's not factored in in baseball reference and you know it definitely it definitely needs to be factored because it's a large portion of how you are as a defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. I mean like defense like I know that defensive metrics aren't really looked at a lot and I kind of understand it but like defense is probably not any more important on the any place on the field than it is a catcher. Right, right. Like I, it's hard for me to find a, a place where defense matters more than catcher. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like there's, there's rarely a bad defensive catcher that's going to get into the hall of fame. There's like average defensive catchers that'll get in, Mm -hmm. but yeah, catcher and like, yeah, it probably goes, it's probably catcher even above, uh, even above shortstop. Yeah. Or center field. Like I would put catcher above all other positions. Um, I, w- I was just looking at some uh, Mike Piazza numbers. So Piazza had uh, five seasons with an OPS plus of 150 or better. Uh, Salvador Perez outside of 2020, where I don't even think he qualified. No, he played 37 games. Yeah, like Perez has Perez's only season with an OPS plus of 150 or better is uh, 2020, where he played 37 games. <laughs> and didn't even qualify for the 60 game season. Yeah. Never mind, you know, 162. Um yeah, like oh man, it it's a little he's at he, he's having a career offensive year with a 128 weighted runs created plus. Uh because yeah. he has a 544 slugging percentage. <laughs> yeah. You had, a, you had a great tweet yesterday, by the way. Oh yeah, I said um I said big day for Salvador Perez as his 2021 on-base percentage reached the American League league average on-base percentage. Big time. 315. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I felt like it was necessary to put out there. Um, yeah, like Salvador Perez, uh, career 104 OPS plus. Mike Piazza's is 143. And that that includes like, the downfall of your late thirties. Salvador Perez hasn't even gotten there yet. He's probably yeah, going to retire. With an, he's he might retire with an OPS plus below a hundred. It's Wait, possible. To be, fair, to be fair, Yachty is too, but Yachty was at least a defensive prowess for twenty years. Yes, yes. Like, and yeah, like there's definitely Hall of Fame caliber guys with below average offense, like Ozzie Smith, and uh, you know. Rabbit Marinville. No, he, he doesn't deserve to be in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely guys out there that deserve to be in with below average offense. But, uh, you know, Salvador Perez, if he ends up being that guy, doesn't because of his terrible framing. Actually, I was... The, probably one of the funniest things is Salvador Perez has more doubles and more home runs than he has walks in his career. Yeah. And, that's crazy and like you know people the what uh the, the basics i would i don't know what to call them but like what the traditional stat users are are saying is they're mocking like the uh talking about chase rate and and walk rate and i like if if his walk rate was the same and he was hitting 330 i you know i'm fine with that like that means his yeah. on-base percentage would be like around 370 or something yeah so, so like and and it'd that be, would mean he'd be like tim anderson yeah and and, guess and especially what? no nobody is out here saying tim anderson is not a good baseball player oh yeah exactly exactly so. if so yeah if he was hitting 330 with a 370 obp and obviously his slugging would be increased like a you know he'd probably have around a 600 slugging you know he'd have you know a mid 900s ops uh i totally get if his on-base percentage was like in the 360, 370 range, like that's, I wouldn't really be pointing out his walk rate, but he's a 277 hitter with a walk rate like this. 
uh, yeah, he, his on-base percentage is literally the American League average for on-base percentage this year. Yep. And it's probably uh, the best. It's, it's, in a full season, it's his best on-base percentage. Yeah. Like, two, <laughs> 2018, he played, well, I mean, I guess 129 games. It's about par for a catcher. Had a 274. 2017 at 297, 2016 288, 2015 280, 2014 289, uh, 2013. He, I, I guess 2013. He played 138 games, had an on base percentage of 323 with a 4% walk rate. Yeah, he's never That's played. He's never played 100 plus games with an on base percentage of 325. That's crazy. That's so wild. Yeah, and like this is his first season with, this is his first season with a hundred plus games and an OPS above eight hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and obviously this is nothing that Salvador Perez has done. And actually, final thing we can look at is, uh, what exactly where his um, where his twenty twenty one season ranks in uh, all the wins of overplacement categories because. Oh you got to go F war, not B war. Yeah, but even B war, like when I checked yesterday, it was 206th currently, <laughs> which, which granted, he's got like 30 games left to play, but still. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's got 2.6 F war this year. That's on pace for like 3.2 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, batting, career. Um, and yeah, uh, I think that also a big thing that people are pointing out in like his career is five gold gloves. I mean, I'm pretty gold gloves. Like all you need to know about gold gloves is that in 1999, Rafael Palmero won a gold glove in a season where he played 128 games as a DH. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is everything you need to know about gold gloves. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, like people are pointing out the gold gloves, but uh, and and like people might point out D War, which you know, if I didn't it's know about D War is not not a good stat. Well, especially for catchers, considering yeah. they're not, um, considering it's it doesn't include framing. So, like, yeah, I mean, if if we're gonna talk about a catcher defensive stat that doesn't include framing like get out of here we're not gonna we're not gonna have that that's a huge that's a huge part of the position huge part inarguably until robot umps come you know that's a that's a uh, very large portion of how we view thinking about that recently like when robot umps come we're gonna evaluate catchers and like individual catchers so differently absolutely like it's gonna be night and day. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. It's it's gotta be in the four hundreds. I'm looking searching here for Salvador Perez. Uh Salvador Perez's twenty twenty one currently ranks four hundred sixteenth in F war for a uh for a season by a catcher. So you know, we, we, we can have all the advanced statistics, but we cannot deny uh, Salvador Perez is having a top 500 catcher season of all time. That's, I mean, I, I'm willing to say that. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, we cannot deny this. So he's he has two points right there with Alex Avila. Yeah, he's yeah. When I'm thinking of great catcher seasons, it's you know, 1987 Bo Diaz, 2021 Salvador Perez, 1883 Jim O'Rourke. I mean, just legendary seasons. Yeah, I mean, who could forget about the legendary Jim O'Rourke season? exactly uh yeah i mean i i remember i remember baseball twitter was all over it so he's on pace for 3.2 f4 and so 3.2 would put him probably somewhere in the 300 range okay 3.2 um yeah like in the 300 between 330th and uh between 330th and 344th because those those guys all have 3.2 f4 in a season so yeah shout out to uh shout out to salvador perez yeah, yeah. The, the i think the basic the compl- the biggest to break down what our problem is with people praising salvador perez this way is a his defensive his uh def- like his perceived defensive prowess is overrated by these people because he's a bad framer. He does catch guys stealing. He is, as you said, he's the king of catcher pop time, but bad framer. That's going to knock some points down. That's why his F war is, is not nearly as high as his B war. You know, as we mentioned last episode of uh, fan graphs has the framing factor. Baseball reference does not, uh, also, uh, people are talking about, you know, 38 home runs. He's going to, you know, he's been amazing this year. And like, yeah, his power has been very good, but he's getting on base at an average rate. Average rate. Say, out of all 40 home runs, let's say he has a 40 home run season, 859 OPS is like, I don't know, how many 40 home run seasons do you see with a less than 860 OPS? Um, not many, not many. I'm going right. to look that up. Yeah, go ahead and look that up. But people are comparing, like, people are talking about how he might break the, um, how how he might break Johnny Bench's uh, record of uh, forty five home runs in a season, which you know it, it'll be cool if he does that. But still, Johnny Bench had a nine thirty two OPS in that in that season. You know, Salvador Perez has an 859 OPS currently, and it's probably going to drop a little bit given, given uh, you know, how hot he is now. He's probably going to cool down a little bit. Um, and, yeah, Bench had a, an on-base percentage 30 points higher than him. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird seeing this kind of praise. Also, Salvador Perez, his career on-base percentage is, is 301. So like, you know, yeah. his 270 average, obviously that's around respectable, but uh, when you consider the fact that he's like his, you know, when you, when you say someone's a blank blank hitter, it implies a certain on-base percentage. You, um, you're, you would guess his on-base percentage is around like 50 to 60 points higher than his average, but no, he, he's not getting on base the same way as as your average 270 hitter would get on base 
like a, a 270 average would imply like a 330 on base percentage, 340. Or if you're like a crazy power hitter, 370. But no, he's got a 301 on base percentage, a career on base percentage. So, uh, I mean, that's that's very below average or, you know, a good amount below average. Below average. Uh, Are you seven, uh, there have been 17 seasons with 40 home runs and a less than 860 OPS. The most obscure one, Todd Frazier's 2016, 40 home runs, a 767 OPS. That's hilarious. That's wild. <laughs> uh, one of my favorites, Adam Dunn in 2012. I think it was. Where is that? Oh, yeah, Adam Dunn in 2012 slashed uh, 204, 333, 468, 800. <laughs> which he had a 204 average and an 800 OPS, which is nuts. That's great. He was Gallo before Gallo. Yeah, and Gallo's on here, 2018. Yep. 206, 312, 498, 810, 40 home runs. Yeah, I think Pujols is on there too. 2015, yep. 787 OPS. Yeah, I've heard the term um, talking about like uh, certain seasons is like an empty 40 home run season, season or an empty 100 RBI season. And I totally get that with this season with Perez is so yeah what if if he gets to 40 home runs you know it's not like most of most of his power is coming from the home runs he only has 19 doubles this year you know like the funniest part of all this what if salvador, if salvador perez were to just become a dh none of this conversation is happening oh yeah for sure because like then nobody would be talking about him as a hall of famer because they hate putting dhs in Except for Edgar, because he was the best one of all time. Right, yeah, like, that's Salvador true. Like, could just become a DH, and nobody's having this conversation. And probably people probably praise him, if anything. It's like, hey, this guy, uh, he has 40 home runs as a DH. It's pretty good, doing what a DH should do. Yeah, or even if he moved to first. Like, yeah, people, that too. People, people wouldn't be as into him. Um, but yeah, he only has 19 doubles this year. He only has 20 walks, you know, league average on base percentage. So yeah, you know, uh, his him having thirty eight home runs is different than, um, I, where's Vlad, where's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at? I was just saying nobody cares about his defense, which is bad too. Right. Um, him having thirty eight home runs is different than like Guerrero having thirty six because Guerrero has a four oh six on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Their slugging is actually. Uh, kind of similar, I think. Uh, even, even Vladdy, uh, even Vladdy Jr. has the advantage in um, in slugging. Yeah, he's got twenty one doubles to go with that. Uh, yep. but yeah, it it's it's a lot different. Like thir- thirty eight. Yeah, not all uh, not all forty home run seasons are created equal. I think we I think it's pretty obvious. Um, but nothing. Obviously, this is nothing Salvador Perez did. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. By the way, his with his five Gold Gloves, he's never finished top four among AL catchers in defensive runs above average, which is Fangraphs metric of uh of defense. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of all you have to know about his Gold Gloves. Um, but you know. You can, you can say, you know, the advanced statistics. I don't even know what these mean, 
but you know, I'm looking at his home runs. I'm looking at the gold gloves and you know, if you want to live that way, then whatever you can, you can live that way, but we are not going to stand by here at above replacement radio. Um, Yeah. That's all we have on the Salvador Perez internet praise saga. Just people, people really want to like Salvador Perez and I kind of get that, but I mean, Morosi said he was a hall of fame candidate with a 14 and a half F war. Yeah. We got to say something on the program if if we're seeing stuff like that, especially on a pretty dull weekend. Um, all right, so uh, we we kind of talked about before the show. We're heading into the last month, um, but uh, you know, there's still things up in the air, and uh, we got to talk about like how do we think this season is going to end? Uh, you know, who's going to be who's going to be Who's going to end up being, you know, uh, you know, the NLS champions? Who's going to, what's going to be the National League wildcard game? So, I mean, there's a lot of questions to answer. And, you know, who's going to host the American League wildcard game? Or is the American League playoffs going to look like how it is now? Uh, I mean, what, you know, I guess, you know, where, where should we even uh, start on this? Uh, I mean, do we want to, let's just do awards. Like, I think we should do award predictions. We're coming into the the final month of the season. The only, like we said earlier, the only one that's probably a lock is AL MVP. Yep. So, uh, and maybe NL manager of the year too. Right. Right. Yeah. That's probably a lock. That's also a lock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, we could start with awards actually. Yeah. American league manager of the year. Uh, could be a little more interesting than we thought it would be uh, around the first half when we when we gave out the midseason awards. But uh, I mean, like honestly, it's not going to happen. But I wouldn't mind it seeing give seeing it uh, given to Kevin Cash again. They won't. Yeah. You know what they're going to do, Chris? They're going to give it to Tony Larusa. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe maybe Dusty Baker. Yeah, I could see it going to Dusty Baker. But I feel like they would give it to, to La Russa, where it's like, oh, they had the best division lead in baseball, and he was a first-year manager, even though he wasn't. I don't know. I wonder what uh, uh our friend Chris Cotillo is going to do. He's, his... he's, yeah, because he's voting in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think we should influence him. Yeah, I mean, um, collusion, collusion against Tony Larusa. Right. Start spreading rumors about him. Yeah. It's like he was, he 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 wasn't even showing up to the games. It was actually his bench coach that was coaching. Miguel Cairo. Yeah. Manager of the year. Um, I feel like yeah, for me in my head, it's in between, like Dusty Baker and Alex Cora. Yeah. Alex, like Alex Cora is going to get a lot of uh, negativity, A, because of the scandal, and B, because of the fall-off that the Red Sox had in August. But, like, let's not forget, like, the Red Sox were not supposed to be in this position this year. Yeah. Like, even Four. the one that they're in now after this fall-off. Yeah, fourth pick in the draft uh, this, this year. They were 24-36 and 36 last year. They got a um, top-10 prospect in the league with their first-round draft pick, and they're in a wild-card spot. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Alex Cora's done. Uh, yeah, it should be Dusty Baker or Alex Cora. Maybe even AJ Hinch if you want to go there too. Like that could be there, there's a case you could make. Absolutely. That would, that would be my top three, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, AJ Hinch, I didn't think about. Yeah, he's uh like I we we I think we both had the Tigers as a last place team and they're you know they've they've been fighting ever since May 8th, like yeah. doing pretty well, considerably well. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to that. NL manager of the year, uh, as you Kepler. said, seems seems to be a lock. Yeah. Even if Kepler. maybe maybe Craig Council, because I don't think he's ever won it yet, right? Nope. Yeah, he hasn't won it. Um, yeah, Miguel, you're, uh, he could be that. Craig Council. I'm trying to think who else. Maybe David Bell. Uh, potentially, potentially. Yeah. I just I think, think those are. I think those are the top three for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, would, I, it has to be Gabe Kapler for me. I just hope the writers don't forget like where we had the Giants like before the season. Yeah, like just pretty much irrelevant, you know. With the Brewers, some some people, you know, it, it was kind of uh, it was kind of give and take. Like some people had them as division winners, some people had them like third place, like myself. So it it was kind of like in hey, between. Who else did you have ahead of them? I had, uh, I think I had the Cubs ahead of them. That's tough. That's tough. That's that's not what you want. I mean, around around uh, early June, I was looking pretty good, but yeah, no, it didn't end up working out. Um, but like, even if yeah, like cat, no, no one had the Giants winning the National League West. <laughs> when I had them as a sleeper team, I was like, hey, this team could sneak into that second wild card spot. Like look out for the the Giants, and they're like, actually, we're gonna win the division probably. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just yeah. Like they were a lock for the playoffs in June. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, best record in baseball, leading the, the the division that was highlighted by the Dodgers and Padres this year. Do they give out awards for like executive of the year? Um, I don't think they do. Because if they do, that has to go to Farhan Zaidi. True exactly yeah like he built like let's like look at the offseason additions they made uh with that team like kevin gosman coming back uh taking the qualifying offer alex wood anthony d sclafani like there have been so many jake jake mcgee uh guy who only throws fastballs but is still very effective like right. all of them like a lot of them have hit really well right exactly exactly um yeah like yeah it, there hasn't been yeah not a lot of uh big misses in like making very small financial commitments to guys that are are working out extremely extremely well um yeah the like the giants have have been giants have been like one of the well, probably the like the story of the year in terms of just surprising people um yeah. do we want to talk about National League MVP because that's probably the most intriguing race to me. Yeah, right there's now. a lot of candidates. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. Like the th you know the three best candidates have all or have all like uh, gotten injured in some form or fashion. Like Degrom and Acuna are out. Tatis, despite missing around 30 games, uh, still very well in the mix. I think he doesn't qualify, but is still like top whatever in F four. 
he's he's seventh in baseball in F four. Yeah, he's he's third in the National League in, in F four as it stands right now. Um, I should uh, take take a look at the both the uh, F four leaderboards and the B war leaderboards, but where the where the National League F four leaderboards stand right now. It goes Trey Turner with 5.1, Bryce Harper with 5.0, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. with 4.8, uh, Max Muncy with 4.7, Brian Reynolds with 4.3, and then it, yeah. And Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith is over there. Shout out to my daughter's player to watch. Yeah, I mean, uh, very, very good year uh, thus far. <clears throat> and, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting because I feel like I, I don't know how much the like playoff team factor is going to be used. Yeah, because like, I mean, like out of the top three, only one of them is probably going to be in the playoffs. Maybe two. Probably right. three. Yeah. All right. I'm going to make I'm going to make my prediction. I'm going to call my shot. My oh. my NL MVP. In 2021. Will be Bryce Harper. Uh huh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very possible he's got an OPS above a thousand right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 163 weighted runs created plus. I believe that leads the NL. Yeah, it, it's um, it's kind of weird. It's it's kind of weird to to look at the. Yeah, like, he's, um, second in, he's second in baseball and weighted runs created plus behind Vlad Jr. Um, yeah, very, very, like, very good season from him. Um, shout out to my 2020 NL MVP pick. Yeah. Uh, it was a it was a little bit early on him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I think this the final standings could have a lot to do with how we view the National League MVP. Um, if the, if the Padres don't make the playoffs, like it's looking like now, I don't think Tatis can really, um, win that award unless he's able to especially, do, especially with what was expected of them too. Right. Like, the, right. like, I think that that conversation looks a lot different with the Phillies than it does with the Padres. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, that's a good point you make. Cause the Phillies were predicted as like, a team that was going to win like maybe 85 games they still haven't finished above 500 since 2011 yeah padres last year you know second best record in the national league they were expected to be pretty much the same team this year maybe even a little better maybe even contending for the top spot in the national league west so if they don't make the playoffs um i don't think uh todd it's not going to be like a, a mike trout situation where they give tatis the award even though the team didn't make the playoffs. I don't think they uh, would be willing to do that. Nothing that Tatis did, you know, the rest of his team is underperforming, but and that's just how it's going to work. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if the Dodgers find a way to uh, win that division, because they're only two and a half, <clears throat> they're only currently two and a half back, but that it still seems like a larger margin, but if the Dodgers find a way to win that division, I think it'll go to a Dodger, whether it be Trey Turner or Max Muncy. 
uh, I think it's possible that, uh, that that happens. Muncie currently ranks fourth in F4. Trey Turner is the leader in the National League in F4. Uh, Muncie's OPS, unfortunately, Fangraphs doesn't feature the actual OPS uh, in, on the dashboard, so I got to calculate it. Muncie's got a 924 OPS, which I don't know, even like for a first baseman, it might be tough for that to win MVP. And Trey Turner's got an 885 OPS with 26 stolen bases and pretty good defense. Um, and I feel like they're, I feel like they're not going to, I feel like the writers aren't going to take like Trey Turner that. Uh, oh no, they're not going to take him that seriously. That seriously. Yeah, especially because um, he played for two teams. Yeah. And, and he didn't have like a, like as of right now, he hasn't had like, that massive of an impact over on the other side like usually when you see people on like on two different teams getting mvp votes it's usually because they like really propelled the other team like trey turner hasn't particularly done that like you gotta have like what cc sabathia did with the brewers or like what yoana cespedes did with the mets or like even what starling Marte is doing right now with the a's like those are all like they've they all had historically great tenures with those teams in the second half of those seasons. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I guess I guess the one thing with Turner is that all of his time has has been with the National League, but mm-hmm. still, it's not a situation where like, yeah, he's pro- exactly like you said, he's propelled the Dodgers. Even though, <clears throat> I mean, the Dodgers did have like they have a- been really well. They have done really well, but like, I don't think most people are attributing that solely to Trey Turner. Right. That's, uh, that's correct. Like, um, I should look at the difference between him in Washington versus him in LA this year. Um, yeah, his, his OPS is, is not as good as it was in uh, Washington this year. So yeah, yeah, you said it, you said it correctly. So yeah, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we give it to Turner, maybe, Muncie's a possibility. Um, I think Juan Soto should be getting a little more consideration, he should be. Uh, even as a non-contender, because he's got a 950 OPS and a, his. Uh, I think he has six outs above average according to Statcast on a. Uh, That's pretty good. Defensively, uh, his, I think he has like a 500 OBP or something like that after. Um. Over the last like month or so. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I mean his. I got a I got a friend of mine texted me saying he is a 104 weighted runs created plus in games where he doesn't hit a home run. Um. Oh wow! Uh, wait, what? What was his uh, weighted runs created plus in games he doesn't hit a home run? 104. Yeah, that's still that's that's pretty crazy. Like being an above average off offensive player without any home runs. Yeah. Um. I might have to agree with you that Harper's going to win just based on the writer's tendencies. And But I also think he has a big September. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, huh. Cause yeah. Also right now, I mean, I, I, I don't know if the Padres are going to get into the playoffs. If they do, then I think T- Tatis has a real shot. Yeah. But if they don't, I don't think he really has a shot. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. And uh, also it should be noted is I think the writers look at B-War more uh, because last year they 
selected uh, Jose Abreu as the MVP. And, you know, some of that had to do with RBI too, but um, that's also something to consider. Yeah, so I, I would say Bryce Harper. Uh, it would be my prediction from on August 30th. It is my prediction. We've made like three separate uh, MVP predictions. Yep. Preseason, midseason, and now. But yeah, it, it's what you do. It's what you have to do. We, you know, we've done this is our uh, 37th episode I of the year. I've had I've had three different MVPs for the National League. I had Soto, then Degrom, and then Harper. Yeah, I had Corey Seager, Degrom, and now Harper. Yep. <laughs> and AL AL MVP like it's Shohei. Yeah, ALM. Yeah, obviously. Like, I don't, we don't need to have that conversation because we already know. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we get need to get too much into that. Uh, Seven point eight B WAR on the year from from Otani. I think his combined F WAR is around eight as well. So yeah, uh, Otani should win that. I think honestly, I would say if if that um if that if he if that uh, hit by pitch actually hurt him and he was like out for the year, I still think he would win AL MVP or at least deserve it. Um, that that's uh, where I think we both stand on that. Um, Moving to Cy Youngs now. Yeah, uh, AL Cy Young is another interesting one. Um, unfortunately, for Carlos Rodon, he had an injury that probably took him out of the race. Like he does, he no longer qualifies for rate stats, um, which leads me to believe that Garrett Cole is going to win it. Yeah, it's um, it could be a situation where like it's just Cy Young by committee. Yeah. In that, it's just whoever's left over, <laughs> whoever had a full season. Because uh. Because yeah, like. It was talked about on a broadcast. You know, I was looking at it as well. Um, no American League pitcher, I think, is on pace for 200 innings this year. Uh, no one really was a workhorse. Um, you know, I think the COVID IL also has something to do with that. Like Cole missed. Oh, that's very true. Like Garrett Cole missed time. Yeah, yeah. Cole missed missed some time. Um, yeah, I'm looking at like Robbie Ray has got a decent shot. I don't I think. think he's going to win it, but I do think he should be a finalist. Yeah, Actually, for sure. You know what we need from Robbie Ray is for uh, let's see, we need Robbie Ray to finish second to fulfill the prophecy. Um. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, he, we yeah. do. We do. We do, and we need him to finish third next year, and then we needed him to, to win it in twenty twenty three. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, I got to root for him to be runner up. Yeah, you need it. Yeah, we we need that uh, happening. Um, yeah, I think it, American League Cy Young, I would say, is mostly a three horse race. It could be. So, yeah, like uh, Lance Lynn currently has the ERA lead with a 259. Um, then Robbie Ray. I think has he's the most innings between Cole, Lynn, and Ray. Crazy, he missed the first two weeks of the season. 
yeah, that's <laughs> that's how the American League has been going. Um, and what's Ray? What's Ray's uh, FIP? Three four eight. Three four eight. Yeah. Decent. He's given, up a, he's given up a lot of home runs. Right. Right. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll give it to Cole, even if Ray has maybe a better season. But mm-hmm. I think. I think yeah. But also, they I think they judge based on uh, strikeouts as well, and Ray's got plenty of those, as we know. Uh, Cole has more strikeouts per nine. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he's got two hundred at the moment. Yeah, I think they give it to Cole. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you there as well. So, no differing opinions there. Um, National League Cy Young, I think. So I don't. Okay, I so I have a I have a pick. I don't think he's going to win it, but I think he should, and I stand by it. Okay. Talking about Corbin Burns. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he is 30 – no, he's 40 innings behind Zach Wheeler, 133 to his 176 and two-thirds. Um, Corbin Burns has a 230 ERA, which is really good, but he has a 1.65 FIP. Which is ridiculous. Uh, if he were to get to 162 innings, Chris, and keep all of his his uh, rate stats the way they are, he would have the second season in baseball history with 162 innings pitched, a one a, a sub 1.7 FIP, and 12 strikeouts per nine. The only other person to do that would be Pedro Martinez in 1999. That's insane. Yeah. I need I need to see Corbin Burns with that Cy Young trophy because he deserves it, and he also has the same F WAR. As Zach Wheeler with forty less innings pitched. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Burns has had. Yeah. It's it's crazy because Burns has had a great year and peripherally he's better. Like even his expected ERA is so below, much better. Yeah. Is below his uh actual like ERA. He has a he has a bad up against of three oh eight. Like he's been getting unlucky. Yeah, especially for a a Cy Young candidate like himself. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, my pick. Uh. Yeah, it's gonna be Walker Bueller. Uh, I think. Two, he's got a two o two ERA on the year, two nine one expected ERA. I can tell you're looking at the F four leaderboards because his FIP is not uh, up there with the likes of Zach oh, Wheeler. Like, or... So let me guess. Like, is this like? Are you picking based on you think he's gonna win it or like he should win it? Um. I would say both. Really. Yeah, okay. he's got he's got um I know some of the stat people don't like that. And like, you know, I, I have to consider uh innings as well. Like, you know, Wheeler's got 169. He might be able to get to that 200 inning mark. He he's currently got 36 more innings than than uh someone like Corbin Burns. He's got a way better ERA than uh Zach Wheeler. And uh, he's got that thirteen and two record. Obviously, oh, yeah. we love seeing that. Um, yeah, I, I would. Uh, yeah, I would. I'm very comfortable with. I think he deserves it, and I think he, um, will will get that. Okay. Because yeah, I mean, and and maybe I, maybe I do maybe I'm not as big into peripherals when it comes to awards. Because I mean that 
that one nine four. We're looking at results, not not what actually happened, or yeah. not like what should have happened. Yeah, with Burns, like that one nine four expected ERA is is hard to ignore, but you know, and and like it's almost his expected ERA is almost a full run better than than Bueller, but I can't I can't give a I can't like give it a full award assessment based on like speculation, but I, I do think it has a little bit of a factor, but, but a little less than, than normal. Uh, but yeah, I think Bueller will, uh, will end up with that, with that Cy Young. Um, do you think, I'm thinking you think he's going to get it as well? No, I think Corbin Burns gets it. Um, I, I need to see it. You think he will get the National League Cy Young? I think I kind of I'm putting faith in the writers here, which I don't do very often. But you know what? Like I need to see what's right. I'm All right. For it, and I want I want to believe I want to speak it into existence. Corbin Burns, Cy Young. All right. All right. Interesting. Um. So yeah. Uh. Yeah. The, those are the Cy Youngs. Uh, we've gone over the managers of the year. Uh, lastly, uh, American League Rookie of the Year. Um, it might be, it, it might end up being our midseason, midseason, uh, pick. I, I have a take. I think both rookie of the years come out of Florida. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wander Franco and Trevor Rogers. Oh, Trevor Rogers. Yeah. Who, who else are you thinking? Um, it could, could be Jonathan India. Well, he's not. I I mean, I guess he's from Florida, I think, but I mean, I was referring to like. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. For for Nat, I thought you meant like in general for National League Rookie of the Year. Oh yeah, no, oh, he is from Florida Lauderdale, but no, I was referring to Trevor Rogers. I mean, like they both play in in Florida. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, do do you see uh? Do you see Wander Franco having a big September? He's already had a big August, and I think he continues it. He has a 783 OPS, which doesn't look great, but he has a, I believe, a 27 game on base streak, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, 29 games. It is 29 games. Yeah. Yep, he's slashing 319, 389, 522 with a 911 OPS. Uh, in his last 29 games, the Rays are 21 and eight in those games. Uh, he's reached base in all of them. His op- his uh, his OPS has gone from 635 to 783 in that time. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um. My yeah, my rookie of the year prediction. I think in the American in the American League. Um, I don't know if he will deserve it by the end of the year, but I think they will give it to uh, Adolis Garcia because, you know, you look at the traditional stats They're you know, for a power guy, they're going to ignore his average, which is 253, which is still actually above league average. Um, they're going to ignore the, the, the fact that he doesn't walk. He's got a 296 on base percentage, which is, uh, is not very good, but um, you know, the writers are going to look at all right he's a rookie with 20 you know at the moment he's a rookie with 29 home runs and 77 rbi let's yeah. say you know by the end of the year that's 
34 home runs and uh, 94 RBI. I think they will give it to Garcia. I don't know if he's going to, uh, and Adolis Garcia, because there's actually a good, another good Garcia that's, uh, they should be considered as well. But I think they will give it to Garcia for those reasons. Like they're going to give it to the guy with like 34 home runs or whatever. Um, in terms of who I think will deserve it by the end of the year, like when we, when we're doing, um, who we have as the, uh, as, as the awards, if we were, if we were given ballots, like who, who we will have, um, that's a good question. I think there's a lot of good candidates. Uh, I think, you know, Luis Garcia is who, who I had, uh, after, at, at the midseason mark, like as who I thought we would be rookie of the year moving forward. Um, but I think, you know, out of some bullpens, there's some very good options as well. Emmanuel Clase, uh, Emmanuel Classe. He was another and, good one. And Garrett Whitlock also. Mm-hmm. 63 innings pitched with a, I think, 157 ERA. Um, he's having a, an amazing year. Um, and then uh, Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros, not the Washington Nationals, but Houston Astros. Uh, he's got 123 and a third innings pitched. He's got a 3 2 1 ERA, 133 ERA plus, uh, 3 3 8 fit. Um, yeah, I think, I think by the end of the year, I will be picking uh, Luis Garcia like okay. as my rookie of the year, but I think they're going to give it to Adolis. Um, I think that's how it's going to go. Um, all right. Uh, National League Rookie of the Year, you have Trevor Rogers. I do. Yeah, I, I, think he, I think he sticks with it, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Jonathan India does it. I think they'll just okay. give him the – I think they'll give him the credit based on um, based on what he did, uh, like based on the fact that he played like the full season. Right. I think the voters are more forgiving of someone who – who came up late and produced instead of someone who produced early and then didn't finish the year. You know what I mean? Like, like they gave, they gave that credit to Jordan Alvarez who had a crazy season in in 87 games. So I think they'll give it to uh, India. And I think by the end of the year, I'm going to be thinking that uh, Jonathan India is, uh, is deserving. Um, All right. I guess that, gets us into um actually uh yeah i think we can get into where we think the standings are going to be i mean national league west what are the chances we see uh the dodgers take over i i'm going to say they don't just because the giants have a lot of games against the padres who have been struggling recently and when i say recently i mean over the last like two months um right so I'm going to stick with the Giants. They've been there all year. I think they stay there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at only thing that yeah they have a. I'm looking at strength of schedule. They have a very similar strength of schedule, um, and the Giants are just yeah. I, I a couple weeks ago I said the A's are just that team that sticks around. This year it's going to be different. It's going to be a different team from the Bay that just sticks around. For whatever reason it's going to be the giants i think okay. i think they're going to keep that um national league wild card all right 
what are you thinking uh, for National League wild card? I'm thinking the Reds take it. Yeah. Um, it would be really cool if to see a Reds Dodgers wild card game. And I think a lot of people would be rooting for a Joey Votto playoff run. So that being said, it'd be very cool if the four NL playoff teams in the division series were the Giants, Reds, Brewers, and Braves. Um, it would be. Wait, say that again. If the if the so if the Dodgers and Reds playing the wild card game, a lot of people would be rooting for like a Joey Votto playoff run, mm-hmm. especially with the season he's having. And then the four NL playoff teams were Giants, Reds, uh, Brewers, Braves. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like yeah, I feel like uh, a Dodgers Reds wild card game. Everyone would be looking past the wild card game, and it would be a huge shock if the Reds won that game. Yeah, it would probably um, be Walker Buehler versus Luis Castillo. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I uh, I agree that the Reds are gonna have that wild card spot just given the strength of schedule they have. Um, like Cincinnati is facing Pittsburgh nine times uh, over the next uh, over the next month. San Diego is facing the Giants ten times and the Dodgers six times. That's not good. <laughs> they have probably the hardest schedule remaining. Um. Yeah, cal- like calculated, it is the hardest schedule remaining. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati has the second easiest schedule remaining. So, yeah, uh, just going to be a very disappointing year for the Padres. Although we would both agree it would be very good for baseball if they just defied all odds and went on a hot streak and, and met the Dodgers in that the wild card cool. game. That would be very cool. Yeah, it would be great. And Tatis gets the MVP. But uh, – that's a, there's a very small chance of that happening uh, in my eyes and, and probably your eyes as well, yep. uh, given that schedule. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think the Reds take that spot. Um, outside of the National League West, what division has the best chance of, of changing first place? Um, let's see. I'd say the AL East or the NL East, I guess. Maybe the Phillies go on another hot streak. Maybe the Yankees start another 13-game win streak. Yeah. Like, both the Centrals are locked, and I don't think the Astros are going to lose the AL West. Yeah, especially given the state of the A's. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say... I would say I would say NL East. Um, not that I think the Braves are, are going to lose that spot, but I think that's just... That's the greatest yeah. chance outside of the NL West. That's, that's probably the only good division race going into September. Like it could change, but as of right now, the only good division race is in the NL West. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um. Philadelphia, actually, it's worth noting, has the you know we'd mentioned Cincinnati has the second easiest strength of schedule left. Uh, Philadelphia has the easiest schedule left. Well, let's see it. I mean, but uh, but the Braves also have the I think ninth easiest. Yep. Um, the Phillies have three against Baltimore, four against Pittsburgh, six against Miami, three against Washington, three against uh the Cubs, four against the Rockies. Um, and they only have uh 
they've got a uh, one one more series against the Braves, and they have three against uh, Milwaukee. Those are going to be their toughest toughest opponents. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the most. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you saying that that's the most interesting division race going. Um, all right, so I guess that leads into players to highlight for good and bad reasons. We'll start off with uh, with the good news. Uh, now for our Monday, August 30th, 2021 edition of... Who do you got for us today? So my how about that for today? I uh, hit a big milestone today, not just in baseball, but in life. Uh, today is Adam Wainwright's 40th birthday, and I'm giving him a how about that for his birthday, and it's well-deserved. Over his last 13 starts dating back to June 20th, Adam Wainwright has a 2.10 ERA. His 2.5 F4 since then are also tied for second in the major leagues, and he has thrown 653 pitches in the strike zone since June 20th with no one else having more than 621. He has very good command. You know, he doesn't really have velocity. He doesn't have spin rate, but he makes up for it in command. And that's how he's been pushing forward in uh, his age 39 season. This stretch of his marks the fifth pitcher age 39 or older with 90 plus innings pitched, 75 plus strikeouts and an OBP against under 250 in any 13 game span. The other four pitchers to do that randy johnson nolan ryan roger clemens and tom glavin and you can now add adam wainwright to that list wow adam wainwright How about that? uh yeah having a you know just just define uh define uh Age. what is it father time yeah father, yeah he's uh turning back he's uh yeah turning the clock backwards there uh, doing having a very good uh very good like three months pretty much uh at the head of that uh cardinals staff um my how about that is uh i i'm not sure but i believe he is an arr comeback special i believe you had him as a slightly alarming um marco gonzalez did you have him if i a- did it was very early yeah, I'm not sure. Well, I'll, that was I'll under under for the review. Yeah, I'll I'll check back the uh, the tapes after this episode. But no matter what, Mark, Marco Gonzalez is having a very good second half. Uh, in the second half, he has a one nine five ERA in fifty and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, also in the second half, his ERA ranks sixth in all of baseball. And in the first half, his average exit velocity was. 90 and a half miles per hour and his hard hit rate was 43%. Meanwhile, in the second half, his average exit velocity against is 85 and a half miles per hour and his hard hit rate is down to 30%. Also in the first half, his barrel rate was 16%, very bad, but in the second half is back to below average with a 6.8% barrel rate against him. And lastly, in the second half, he has induced 19 pop-ups, which are the second most uh, in baseball in this span. So Marco Gonzalez getting a How about that? and uh, potentially, potentially a, an AR comeback special. We'll have to take a look back. Don't call it a comeback. 
Um, all right, now we go from the highs to the lows, talking about players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Monday, August 30th, 2021 edition of... Slightly Alarming. Who do you got for us today? So my Slightly Alarming is a guy who's been on a struggling team, the aforementioned San Diego Padres. I'm talking about Manny Machado, who, you know, Tatis was out for a while, and he recently came back and has been doing pretty well, but Manny Machado wasn't holding up his end of the bargain during that time either. Since August 4th, he is slashing 211 with a 250 on base, 300 slugging percentage, and a 550 OPS. And in those games, the Padres are 7-15, and and his 45 weighted runs created plus over that sample ranks 159th among the 164 qualifiers. That is sixth worst. And before this stretched, his hard hit rate was 55.3%, which was the seventh highest in the majors. And in this stretch, it is only 38%. His average exit velocity has also dropped nearly 5 miles an hour over this span. And 29.6% of his batted balls have had a launch angle above 30 degrees and an exit velocity below 95 degrees. A launch angle above 30 degrees isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you better be hitting the ball hard if you're doing that. And Manny Machado has not done that in over a quarter of his batted balls, which is not good. And with he has 25, he has 21 uh, such batted balls since August 4th, which is tied for the fourth most in Major League Baseball. Yeah, uh, Manny Machado. Slightly alarming. Um, I think the Padres might have the uh, uh, from from above replacement radio. The Padres might have the most slightly alarmings on the year. Two shows in a row, I think, right? Yeah, I mean we've done we've done Paddock, Paddock, Snell, Darvish. Fam, Machado. I'm trying to think if we've done any more. Uh, Frazier. Adam Frazier. Yep. Yeah. I did Eric Hosmer. Yep. Okay. We've done seven podcasts. Did we do Frank Grisham at some point? Nah, I, I don't no. think so. Okay. Because he, uh, he's also worthy. Um, right yeah. So we've done seven podcasts. It's slightly alarming. I mean, the That's... whole Padres team has been slightly alarming this year. So. Yeah. And we've been pointing it out. Uh, just incrementally or like um, very slowly, slowly, but surely we are pointing out all the underperforming Padres. Um, my slightly alarming is on another team that deserves a slightly, uh, that deserves a uh, plenty of slightly alarmings, especially in, in the month of August. Uh, my player, my, uh, my slightly alarming is Jeff McNeil. Uh, I mean, the guy, the guy has had, has just underperformed the whole year. He was my player to watch uh, for 2021, but I mean, injuries have had a factor, but I mean, it's, it's gotten especially bad in his, in his last 17 games uh, in these 17 games, he's hitting 153 with a three ninety seven OPS uh, in this span out of 176 qualifiers. He ranks 171st in average 174th in on-base percentage, 173rd in slugging and 175th in OPS. Uh, and overall, from 2020 to 2021, his line drive rate dropped 7.4%. His pop-up rate increased 3.8%. His expected batting average has dropped 35 points. Uh, his expected weighted on-base average has dropped 29 points. And his strikeout rate has increased while his walk rate has decreased. So just, you know, Jeff McNeil has had a, has had a rough year. You just kind of have to, you know, in, in his mind, you kind of have to think about 
just going on to 2022 and thinking about what you're going to do in the offseason. So, Jeff McNeil. Slightly alarming. Um, so that does it for players to highlight, players and subjects to highlight for good and bad reasons. Now we get into uh, <clears throat> a preview of the week ahead. Uh, there's a lot of interesting series with some uh, implications uh, going on in, uh, in the upcoming week. Uh, first off, uh, Red Sox raise, you know, I think Red Sox coming off a disappointing loss yesterday. Uh, the Rays are firmly ahead in the American League East. I think the, the Red Sox goal right now is just to possibly get a home wild card game, you know, eight back in the division. It's going to be hard to make that up. So, mm-hmm. but they're two back for that, uh, for that home, home wild card game. And I believe for, for that, is it going to be determined by, um, head-to-head matchups, like if the Red Sox and Yankees have the same record. Yes, I believe so. So all they all they have to do is tie because they already won the season series against the Yankees. Yeah, they were uh, they're they're ten and six against the Yankees currently. So, and they're not going to play more than nineteen games. So, uh, yeah, the the Red Sox' most realistic goal is to get that wild card game to Fenway, which will be very anxiety inducing. Man, is that going to be something? Um, yeah. The, uh, we Red Sox fans have yet to experience the wild card game with their team in it. Um, also, uh, plenty of other series to get to, mostly out of the West Coast. Uh, Giants Brewers, the battle of the NL West and NL Central leaders. Uh, that potentially could be a, a postseason preview, uh, probably not in the first round, but there's potential for that being the National League Championship Series. Uh, and then Another West Coast matchup to watch is Mariners Astros at T-Mobile Park. Um, and by the way, Giants Brewers is going to be a four gamer. So you definitely have to watch out for that with some extremely good pitching matchups. Mariners Astros is going to be a three gamer with some, some more good pitching matchups. Mariners aren't out of it, by the way. They're, you know, four and a half back in the wild card. And it's not like uh, momentum is going against them. Uh, they've, you know, they've, they've been, you know, hanging around. They potentially, I don't know if they're going to get the wild card spot, but uh, there's potential for them finishing ahead of the uh, athletics in the, uh, in the, in the uh, standings. And then the last series to talk about is uh, the Dodgers and Braves. Uh, Braves just came off a, a series loss to the Giants at, at, uh, at home. Now they're going to LA to see the Dodgers. Uh, that's going to be an interesting series, you know, and at least leaders versus uh, the the uh, team way ahead in the uh, wild card spot uh, with the with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So there's four very good series to watch uh, in this upcoming week. What do you got for the day by day matchups? Yeah. So starting tonight, Monday, we got interesting one in Red Sox Rays, Nick Pavetta versus Luis Patino. Uh, that'll be an interesting one to watch. You got Casey Mize going tonight or today, this afternoon, for the Tigers against the Twins. You got Luis Castillo going for the Reds against the Cardinals. Zach Wheeler versus Josiah Gray uh, going against each other. Robbie Ray going for the Blue Jays against the Orioles. Herman Marquez going against the Rangers in Texas. Corey Kluber making his return from the IL today for the Yankees. That is a big one against the Angels. You have Corbin Burns versus Johnny Cueto tonight for uh, Brewers and Giants. You have 
uh, Drew Smiley versus Julio Urias for Braves and Dodgers. And then the matchup of the night comes from Astros and Mariners, Luis Garcia versus Chris Flexen. That'll be a good one. And then on Tuesday, you have Sonny Gray and Miles Mikolas going against each other for Reds and Cardinals. You have um, Hunjin Ryu going for the Blue Jays against the Orioles. You have uh, Cole Irvin going against the Tigers in uh, A's Tigers. You got da, 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 Lucas Giolito going for the White Sox against the Pirates in Chicago. Uh, last time Lucas Giolito faced the Pirates in Chicago, went very well for him. So uh, that'll be on Tuesday. You have Zach Gallon and Blake Snell going against each other for the Padres and Diamondbacks. Brandon Woodruff versus Alex Wood in Brewers Giants. Lance McCullers Jr. versus Yusei Kikuchi in Astros Mariners. Charlie Morton versus Walker Bueller in Braves Dodgers. Matchup of the night comes from Yankees Angels. Uh, I believe the June pitcher of the month, Jamison Tyon versus, or maybe he was July pitcher of the month. Uh, either way, Jamison Tyon versus Shohei Otani in uh, Yankees and, and Angels. Then on Wednesday, you have Chris Sale going for the Red Sox against Drew Rasmussen of the Rays. That's a good matchup. Rasmussen has been very underrated. Sale is 3-0 in three starts since coming off the IL. Uh, Hugh Darvish is going to pitch for the Padres against the Diamondbacks. You have the uh, you have in Cardinals Reds. You have the don't throw it above 91 miles per hour game in J. Happ versus Wade Miley. That'll be a fun one for sure. You have Aaron Nola going against the Phillies against the Nationals. You have Garrett Cole going for the Yankees against the Angels. Ooh, you have the uh, the 2015 Mets game in Orioles Blue Jays. Matt Harvey versus Steven Matz. Great. Yeah, two Love of the five that. aces from from back in the day. You have uh, Zach Thompson going for the Marlins against the Mets. You have Carlos Rodon coming off the was is he coming off the IL or did he already come off the IL? Either way, he's pitching for the White Sox against the Pirates. You have Kevin Gossman going for the Giants. Matchup of the night comes from Braves-Dodgers. Max Freed versus Max Serger. Yeah, oh yeah, that is, that's one I don't want to miss for sure. That is, uh, Eastern time. yeah, Max Freed is one of the better trending pitchers in the game right now. And Max Scherzer is, is Max Scherzer. He doesn't need any explanation. I feel like Max Scherzer has like mostly faced NLE teams since he came over to the Dodgers. Um, like he never left. Yeah, he played. He I remember he faced the Phillies. He faced the Mets twice, I think. Yeah. Right. And now he's facing the Braves. Yeah. They're like they can't escape him. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh. Kind, you know kind of a more pretty tangent based I, I guess uh not not a lot of news to cover but we we made some time off of it uh we hope you enjoyed this one um if you want to if you're listening on an apple podcast or spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens go to the youtube channel it is called above replacement radio and uh check out check out the playlist as well baseball history series is uh best consumed on on youtube i would say uh also if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow 
the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoy this one, and we hope to see you on Thursday, where we are going to be talking about all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then.